Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us today. It's fall now and it's a season of competition. Maybe you watch some of the football games. We have volleyball tournaments and soccer tournaments, all kinds of competition, and everybody wants to be first. But today, Jesus teaches you and me to do our best to be the very last and the servant of all, to seek to serve in humility. We'll hear more about that in our service today uh, as we follow along using the order of service printed in the bulletin or projected on the screen. Let's begin with our first hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, 365.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. And let us pray. God of love, in his ministry, your son Jesus put the needs of others ahead of his own. Keep us from thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, and help us to mirror Christ's love that seeks the good of others. Through the same Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the anthem.
Our first lesson for today is from Numbers chapter 12 and will serve as the basis for the sermon. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half-eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. This is the word of the Lord. We sing our psalm together, Psalm 31.
Our second lesson today is taken from James chapter 3. James, a very practical author in the New Testament, uh, urges us to be wise. We want to be wise in the way we handle our finances and the way we handle our health and the way we handle our children. Here he reminds us that true wisdom is found in humility and in living at peace with each other. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of our God. We continue with the solo.
Please stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel for today from Mark chapter 9. We've all been in one of those conversations where people are trying to outdo each other. I can do this. I've done this. I've had that experience. So often we act like bickering children. That's what the disciples were acting like here. Thankfully, our Lord welcomes children, even bickering ones, because of his humble sacrifice. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn of the day, 499. Grace and mercy and peace, they're yours. From God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow believers in him. That theme on the screen of today's 
sermon was put on a plaque by a U.S. Marshal and mailed to President Harry Truman in October 1945. President Truman took that plaque and he placed it on his desk for most of his presidency. What it means really has to do with card playing. The buck meant it was your deal. And the dealer had an option. The dealer could take that buck, actually, before his deal or her deal and pass it on to the next person and basically say, I I'm not going to deal this round. You have it. And that came to mean passing your responsibility off to somebody else. And President Truman used that in a number of stump speeches. He said, as president, I don't have that ability. I can't pass on the tough decisions. The buck has to stop here. Somebody has to make those decisions and I'm willing to do it. Moses tried to pass the buck at 80 years old. When God called him to lead the people out of Israel or out of Egypt from slavery, Moses said no, not just one time. He said no five times to the Lord. And the Lord pressed him and said, no, this is, this is what you're needed to do. And Moses relented and accepted the position and, and went and led the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. But the Bible in today's lesson in Numbers, it wants you to see the characteristic Moses did this work in. Listen to this. This is exceptional. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. I, I want to point something out to you. It doesn't call him a humble leader, though he was. It calls him a humble man. This is who he was by faith in the Lord as an individual. This is how he conducted not just his leadership, but his life. In the second lesson today, James said, no, no, hold on a second, Christians. This same characteristic of humility is to mark your lives. He said again, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. You know what humility is? In a, I mean, there are the, the memes on, online. If you want to look at those humility memes, it means thinking of yourself less, not thinking less of yourself. In a manner of speaking, humility is something that recognizes your value. You know what you're worth to God and to others. And so it doesn't inflate it, I'm more than others. It doesn't deflate it, woe is me, I'm less than others. Humility recognizes appropriately the value you have to God and to others. And then it practices it. It, it demonstrates that recognition to others in a manner of speaking in a deference of attitude. In a submission to God and to one another. I'm willing to serve one another. I'm willing to put the word of God into practice and obey it. And, and honor God and one another in how I carry that out. You have that. You have that characteristic of humility. It was given to you by the gospel. As the Lord resides in you, he in a manner of speaking, creates an office of humility right inside your life. And what the gospel leads us to want to do is to practice that, to put that office to work, to go to work every day in that office and serve the Lord by practicing humility.
Unless, of course, you're going to pass the buck. That's easy to do, to pass the buck. Miriam and Aaron did that. It looks like Miriam was not like her older, or was not like her younger brother, Moses, in a lot of ways. Miriam was the kind of person who was active. She had to get things done. Remember, as a, as a girl, Miriam was there when Moses was placed in the basket. She was active and involved in that scenario to make sure Moses got rescued. She was there to run to the daughter of Pharaoh and to make sure that she could go get her mom to help out and be the one to raise Moses in the household of Pharaoh. Miriam was all inside the action. Miriam was right there when, when Israel exited Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. She was the first one on the pages of Scripture to compose a psalm in the book of Exodus. And she taught it to all of the people. The book of Exodus calls Miriam a prophetess. She was somebody who shared the word of God. She had a leadership position among the people, especially the women. And they recognized her as such. Aaron, interestingly, was a leader too. He was a spokesman. Moses received the word from God. And Aaron was the one who shared it with the people. He was a very good orator and a speaker. But interestingly, Aaron had an unbecoming characteristic. It looks like he was weak. Remember back when Moses went up the mountain to get the commandments from God? And the people go to Aaron and they say, we want to have a God just like all of the other people around us. Fashion one for us. And so Aaron, in weakness, shaped the golden calf for the people. And Moses, when he came down, was irate. Here in Numbers, you see weakness again. Where Miriam comes to the oldest sibling, Aaron, and wins him over with her conspiracy to go up against Moses. This is a big deal. Why do I say it like that? Why do I say this really originated with Miriam and she went and won Aaron over? Because if you look at our NIV, if you look at the translation that's in your bulletin, it says... Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. This is where studying the original languages is really important. This is Hebrew. And the very first word here in Hebrew is a feminine singular form. And it's a type of verb form that is intensive. And so literally, this is how the Hebrew reads right off the page. And she spoke intensely Miriam and Aaron against Moses. Miriam is the instigator. And she knew if she wanted to have her way, she had to win her older brother over. And she went and won Aaron over. And the two of them conspired against Moses. And the way Miriam did it is she used Moses' wife as a pretext there's no way the leader of the nation of Israel should have a foreigner for a wife. There's no way this should stand. Not only is she the wrong person for the leader of the nation of Israel, God's holy people, but now Moses should lose his leadership because of his choice to marry this woman. Oh boy. They completely blindsided their brother. They went after not only his wife, 
they went after the office of Moses and filled with pride and arrogance, they said, are we not spokesmen for God too? Have we not prophesied for the Lord? They're basically saying, look, God has used us already in the past. It's not too much more if, you know, Aaron, you and I take over Moses' role. Let's push him out of that leadership role in the nation of Israel. We can do his job. God has used us in the past. So understand this. They completely went after his humility. And, and haven't you seen that in life when somebody truly practices humility? they can be taken advantage of real easily. And here Moses was stepped on. They went after his office that the Lord placed Moses into, as I mentioned, and they went after his wife. How do you think those Thanksgiving dinners went after this? This was a big deal. The shock waves of this had the potential to rattle and unravel the entire nation of God's people as they went to the promised land. You know what happens when leaders fail to practice their leadership in true Christian humility? People get bucky. They get angry. They become upset. They, there starts to be a tension between one another as things turn political from spiritual and they trample on humility. God had to act, and he acted immediately. He called the three to account at the tent of meeting, and he came down in the cloud, and he spoke immediately. The first thing he said directly to Aaron and Miriam is this. With Moses, I speak face to face. I have a different relationship with Moses than I do with you two. You are leaders in your own right, but Moses and I... I treat him differently based on his humility and the role that he has. And now the clincher. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? It's easy when God's servants practice their role in humility. It's easy to think less of them that sin isn't a big deal. But when they went up against Moses, they were indicating they were not afraid of God. Are you? Have you lost your fear of God? Have you let arrogance and pride ooze from your ego? Have you endured monstrous insults from people where they've slandered you or your spouse or your kids or your relatives and your temper turned into tirade and you found those friends that were easy to win over and take your side and you went and you put that person right back in their place with a big show of power? How did that work out? For Miriam, it didn't work out so well. That ugliness, that, that sin that was just so sinister on the inside, it became visible on the outside with the punishment that God placed on her. 
and the monstrous attitude she had showed itself in the hideous leprosy that was now on the outside. Aaron was mortified. You have to understand, leprosy was certainly a skin disease, but it was also something that reflected a sinful relationship with God. And somebody with leprosy had to be removed from the camp and placed outside the camp. They were separated from God and his people. It was just an awful scenario. And Aaron, as her brother, sees this. And he sees just exactly what happened. And he's mortified at what happened to her and what they did. And he begged his brother, please forgive us. This is really the moment. This is what it's all come down to. This is where you just kind of feel like in life, if this ever happens, the stars have finally rightly aligned and the most humble person has finally gotten into the position to get his comeuppance. Finally, the most humble man on the face of the earth, Moses, who is so awfully wronged here, is finally in that position where he can do what he wants he can finally get back at his sister and brother, his older brother and older sister, for who knows how many things they've heaped on him over the years. Finally, he can show them who's boss. He can put them in their place, and nobody would blame him for doing it. But he doesn't do it. The only words that he says in this entire lesson are the following. Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. Talk about humility. Talking about an ability to set wounds aside. Moses not only forgave them, but he took this situation and he practiced the office to which God had called him to do, to be the leader. And this is how a leader leads, in humility. He practiced his ministerial office. That means he was still a servant. He didn't pass the buck and say, nope, somebody else's deal. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to deal with this. You're on my hit list. He forgave them and took it to the Lord. Does that remind you of somebody else? Does that remind you of somebody greater who had all power and authority in heaven and gave it up to come down here to earth? Does that remind you of somebody who had the upper hand but in humility was willing to let it go to go to a cross? Does it remind you of somebody greater who not only knows one bad sin you've done against them, but somebody who knows all of them, all of the sins you've done against him, big and small and everything in between? But by going to a cross, he wanted to let you know that he wanted to be your brother. The most humble brother that was ever on the face of the earth. And he wanted you to be his sibling by faith in a way greater than Moses. Jesus occupies the greatest office there is. He occupies the throne of heaven, not as some humble human being, but as the God-man. And he has the right 
to say this to you on his own authority, that when you and I approach his throne for whatever we've done, that he gets to offer you face to face grace and mercy and peace and forgiveness in full. And that's yours today. Miriam was forgiven too, just like you and me. But there were consequences. She had to be placed outside the camp for seven days. And I want you to understand, I know in today's day and age that sounds severe, to be placed outside the camp for that long. That's a long time. But understand, according to the law back then, that was the shortest amount of time for somebody to endure that separation. And what does somebody do when there's a consequence placed on them? Do you know what that gives them an opportunity to do? Certainly Miriam was forgiven. But this seven-day consequence allows people like us to learn again humility and to understand and think through how would we now go back and do it differently? And if the Lord restores us to that position again, how should I go back and practice this? Miriam learned her lesson. And the people of God waited for her. They did not move on. And when she came back, they forgave her and they put her back in that position of leadership. When God forgives you and me in Jesus, he restores us back to his family to serve him again in humility and to marvel the entire time at our Lord Jesus Christ who didn't pass the buck that he did all of this that we might be and belong to him. And secondly, that we as we go forward having learned our lesson that we too wouldn't pass the buck but that we too would practice humility in all we do for his sake. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We continue with prayer. Lord Jesus, you came to serve us by offering your life as the sacrifice for the sin of the world. Lead us to put others first and serve them, welcoming even little ones as we would welcome you. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for uniting Tracy Wehrman and Ben Chapa in marriage this weekend at St. Paul's. Bless the promises they have made. Keep them faithful to each other until death parts them and keep them close to you through your son. Give them many years of joy and blessings as they follow Jesus to you. And in Jesus' name, we also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for our next hymn. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things that you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another. Serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.
Thank you so much for joining us here at St. Paul's in God's house, worshiping him. Special thanks to the preschoolers who sang their hearts out in, in, in honor and thanks to Jesus our Savior. A couple of announcements. Uh, today we invite all of you again to Family Bible Hour. There's Sunday school going on down in the school wing. Uh, for, the, for those parents who have really little children, you are welcome to put them in the child care room during uh, Bible study as, as you go to one of the two options, either uh, an evangelism study in the gym or Jesus the Messiah here in the sanctuary. Then uh, today we also have the Living Nativity Breakfast, and that's going to take place in the commons, kind of halfway between those two Bible studies. So we do ask that you please not bring any food into the sanctuary this morning uh, from that Living Nativity Breakfast. I'm sorry, Pastor, to interrupt. Correction, they actually are going to serve in the gym. So uh, they were planning on comments, but they didn't want to bottleneck that whole area there for a walkway. So it'll be in the gym. Help yourselves. And then if you're coming to the Jesus the Messiah study, I'll come in there and I'll grab you. Okay? <laughs> but I'll give you time to eat. Okay, thank you. And then we also have, uh, tomorrow is the deadline for signing up for children involvement in Christmas at St. Paul's. Uh, Mr. C has a link for that. And so if you haven't yet signed up to have your children involved in the Christmas at St. Paul's program coming up in December, uh, the deadline for that is tomorrow. So please get that in. Then we also wanted to make note that this week, Friday at 6 a.m. is the next installment of our men's early bird Bible study. And then our principal, Chad Marone, has an announcement. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to direct your attention to two handouts that are up by the uh, bulletins on the table. The first is our new school year report. This is an attempt to communicate to you all kinds of things about your school ministry. There's a lot that happens in a school year. We're well into our way, uh, into our first quarter now. And so... This handout has information on enrollment, some school initiatives this year, financial information, but you have prioritized this ministry, so this is the beginning of a conversation. If you have any questions about this, please reach out to me, happy to sit down and talk with you, or feel free to stop in. We love having guests and visitors in the school, and after all, it is your ministry. And then secondly, next to the new school year reports is a small postcard. We are hosting a Veterans Day dinner on Veterans Day, Thursday, November 11th. And um, if you are a veteran and a member of St. Paul's, I hope you received a phone call sometime this week. Our 7th and 8th graders are making phone calls to the veterans in our congregation that we have their information. If you didn't receive a call this week, please let me know because it's possible uh, we don't have your information and we would want to add you to our list. But uh, we have, a, we have a, a dinner lined up. Um, along with our dinner, we have Congressman Glenn Grofman coming in to say a few words to our veterans. We have some special music, and then we like to decorate as well. We reach out to the veterans that are visiting and um, ask them to bring in uniforms, picture books, and we, we send them out throughout the gymnasium. So for sure we want to get our members signed up. If you weren't signed up through a phone call by one of our 7th and 8th graders, you can sign up. Um, by the church mailboxes where we keep our signups. You can put your name down there or contact the school office. So then finally, though, this postcard, this is for others in our community. If you know of someone who is a veteran 
and um, you'd like to allow our 7th and 8th graders to serve them a beef tenderloin dinner, then uh, please take one of these postcards, take a couple, and hand them out to people that uh, you might know. It gives them directions on how to contact the office and sign up. If you have any questions, again, reach out and uh, reach out to me, and I'll get them answered. Thanks so much. Blessings on your day. Okay, thanks a lot, Mr. Marone. The last announcement that I'm aware of is that we have a, a commercial. Once again, this is from the PTF, and looking ahead to an upcoming PTF-sponsored event. Uh, and you never know what you're going to get with one of these commercials. So we'll see. Come to our totally tubular 80s murder mystery where you can role-play a character from Debbie Gribson's album release party. Come dressed as you are or in your best 80s hairdo and neon colors and test your sleuth skills. Open your envelope and step into the life of a celebrity guest. Everything you need to bring this celebrity to life will be in there. Sign up via link that was emailed or on Facebook or the school newsletter to reserve your space today or see Fire Axle Tulip between services on October 24th. Don't wait or your number won't make the list. Babysitter list available. Event open to ages 18 to 150. Bring your totally awesome significant other or come solo. Come meet your favorite stars like Nork from Pork or Alligator Dundee. Crikey, I'm Alligator Dundee. My rugged charm and totally awesome animal handling is rad. No way I could have done it. But maybe one of the alligators. Or Lindy Lopper. Hey, I'm Lindy Lopper, and I'm a fun-loving and eccentric pop star known for my ever-changing colorful hair. Do you think I did it? And many more. Hey y'all, I'm Polly Abdul. I'm fun-loving, but after two years of marriage, I'm going a little crazy. Could it be me? Do you think you have what it takes to find the murderer? Spoken with the humility of a child. <laughs> Are there any other announcements that should be highlighted today? If not, please greet those who are worshiping around you and God's blessings on the rest of your day.